Good evening and welcome to the Aging Hipster Rewatch. I am Bob Serrano. Tonight, it's time to put on that flannel and travel back to Seattle. Today, we are talking about singles. Love is a game. You distinguish yourself by not calling her. Four days, he waits to call me. Easy to start. It's a very nice hat you're wearing, and I don't mean that in an Eddie Haskell kind of way. Hard to finish. Joining us is the co-host of the Aging Hipster Rewatch, Mr. Romantic, Toby Crines. How are you doing today, Toby? Doing wonderful, Bob. Thanks for having me as always. <laughs> Toby, I got a couple updates for you. Number one, as I was telling you earlier, my entire family had flu this week. So usually I come in uh, during the high heat, you know, Major League, Ricky Vaughn. Oh, yeah. Know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But today I'm more of a junk ball pitcher. I'm like the Ed Harris, like the yeah, old, yeah, old, guy old guy pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> who, 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 like, uh, I wish in these baseball movies, I wish they could find, like, uh, people who could actually throw a baseball. Like, Charlie Sheen actually could. can throw yeah. it. Uh, those other guy, especially the Ed Harris guy, uh, yeah, not he, a he was, thrower of baseball. No, not at all. <laughs> and then also, um, so I was, I've been very excited to talk about singles and I was getting all into, so usually this is a little bit behind, uh, for our, our one listener out there about how it gets done. I, you know, type up the outline. I was like thinking about the, the episode and I'm like, I'm ready. I thought we we're going to get on here and we'd all just sit and sit here and just have so much fun and talk about how much we love Chris Cornell and, uh, singles. And then Toby starts texting me nothing but shit <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> talking crap about the movie so uh-huh. excited about getting into it toby yep. awesome so joining us today is robin posey leanne she is a co-host for of the podcast my tv family welcome robin hey guys thanks for having me uh can you tell us a little bit about 
your podcast? Um, I would love to. And then we're going to go back to major league because I have opinions. So, um, yeah, I uh, co-host my TV family with my good friend Meredith. And um, we focus on television, uh, current hits and past favorites. Um, We also cover industry events um, related to TV and film um, and have some cool interviews on there. So um, give it a listen. You can find it wherever you listen to find podcasts. And we are on all the social media places at my TV family pod. Fantastic. And are we still living in the midst of peak TV? Ooh, yikes. Um, I say yes. There is still so much out there that I want to watch. However, I have talked to a lot of people who are so overwhelmed by all of the TV out there that they have reverted back to just watching reruns of the office. So take that (laughs) for what it's worth. Uh, But I say yes, (laughs) affirmative. And then uh, major league. Do you think Wesley Snipes could actually play baseball? Yes or no? Um, what was it? You run like maze, but you hit like haze, or what was that? Yeah, yeah, hit like shit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, run like maze, hit like. Give haze. him the heater. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you guys do a major league rewatch? No, no not yet. Oh, we should though. Oh, dude. Robin, we need to get you in on that. Yeah, that's a great idea. Love that movie with all of my heart. Mm. I could quote along with it right now. Oh, uh, yes. So I just watched it like a week ago. Like, oh. I watched it a few times a year. Like. It's a classic. Mm, it so is. Good. Can I just uh, I, not to derail this completely, but I remember. So that movie has um, adult content to be sure. I believe it is rated R. We talked our seventh grade math teacher into letting us watch it at the end of the year. And the, the F bombs, F you rookie F what? I mean, just flying. And I remember her kind of peeking up from behind her desk and saying, you guys told me this was rated PG, right? <laughs> anyway, if you decide to do major league, I'm not trying to be presumptuous, but that is my jam. And I will come back and talk about it. Oh, my favorite hats, line. Hats. From the, oh, so good. God. My favorite line is when, uh, I, I, who caught it? I forget who shows up. Maybe it was Willie Mays Hayes, but uh, he goes, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, is that the guy from Scrubs? That's the guy from, uh, that's the custodian dude from Scrubs. He is oh, in that is? movie. The manager? Uh, he's like, you know, when they keep showing the people like reading the news and kind of oh, seeing the right, lineup. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Stick with me, guys. You're going to be fine. <laughs> Maybe, maybe because uh, uh, one of these months we can do sports month, like either oh. April. September, sporty September. Yes. Oh, that's still that's a long way away. But anyways, yeah. yeah we How about for summer. spring training? Spring training, we're gonna bust out some major <laughs> league. Yeah, are, and are there any other good baseball movies? Oh, maybe we're, you so know. many. Bull Durham. Oh, oh I think the Naturals on Netflix. That's right now. me oh. through puberty. So, hey, Robin, as you say that, my uncle Jim Crines has written a book, an acclaimed book about Bull Durham. Really? You can check it out on Amazon. Well, he's not available for that episode, (laughs) but I'm happy to come back. (laughs) We should get Jim and Robin on there for the baseball one. (laughs) I am in for Major League. Oh, I love that movie. Anyway, what are we here to talk about? Yeah, Yeah, thanks a lot. This is about what I want to talk about, you guys, and about what I love. Not about your interests. <laughs> All right, but before that, let's take a little take a little bit of time to plug the Agent Hipster Network, and in particular, the Agent Hipster Rewatch. We are in the midst of rom com January, and next month we are getting into Frank Oz February. Please like our Facebook group. Uh, you can email me at agenthipsternetwork at gmail and I promise I'll post most more stuff on the Facebook group. 
You're listening to The Aging Hipster Rewatch. Let's kind of get into to, uh, today's movie, Singles. It was released on the 18th of September, 1992. The tagline is, love is a game, easy to start, hard to finish. Like, you know, we've done, we've done a few of these taglines. They never really match up with the uh, movie at all. <laughs> like, have they watched <laughs> no. the movie? Uh, I think the, the tagline for, um, uh, what's the horse movie? It's like, you'll, you'll laugh yourself horse. What like Secretariat? Like... No, 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 no. This is the one with Bobcat Goldthwait. Um, oh, uh, Hot to Trot. No. Hot to Trot. You yeah. laugh yourself hoarse. Woo! <laughs> oh, but yeah, this is it's a pretty ridiculous tagline. Uh, it's directed and written by Cameron Crowe. Uh, the previous movie that he did was Say Anything. It stars Bridget Fonda, Campbell Scott, Kira Sedgwick, Matt Dillon, and some other people. It Lots opened. I know there's a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, a yeah. lot of musician other people. Tim Burton's even. Yeah, yeah. He, does a, he has a great uh, cameo. Uh, it opened um, and made about $4 million. It And it grossed $18 million. And this is something that we didn't let out of our country. Because the rest of the country doesn't deserve. <laughs> they were not ready movie. for the Seattle yeah. sound. No. Um, all right. So this is kind of hard to... Um, uh, to kind of differentiate the movie from the from the music and in particular the grunge scene. So, Toby, did you have like kind of a, that grunge uh, timeline you yeah, want to go well, over? I just put together a quick uh, notable grunge timeline. These are the four biggest grunge bands. Uh, Nirvana released. So the movie came out in '92. So Nirvana was already huge by then. Nevermind came out the year before. Soundgarden not so big because they had bad motor finger, but uh, Super Unknown wouldn't come out for another couple years. But Soundgarden is all over this movie, and as Bob yeah. uh, Bob texts me, he's like, "Hey, I just heard uh, Spoonman, but it was like a demo version." So yeah, there's some like demo version of Spoonman in this yeah. movie, probably yeah. uncredited. Um, and then Allison Chains' uh, Dirt came out not same year as this movie. Pearl Jam was already huge by the time this movie came out. And two of the Pearl Jam band members are play speaking roles in this movie. Three of them. There's three of them. Three of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff Ament, um, Eddie Vedder, and Stone Gossard are in this movie. Allison Chains uh, is in it. Uh, yeah. Soundgarden's in it. Uh, and Nirvana. Uh, Bob, you mentioned you. You found. Tell me what you learned about why Soundgarden didn't do it. I'm sorry, oh, no. Nirvana. I mean. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll okay, get into great, great. Nirvana. Is like. Uh, they are seems like they're kind of the dicks of the scene, but <laughs> um, but yeah, this all kind of the the year is nineteen ninety two that when this came out, and actually they kind of pushed back the release of this movie because this was all shot before anybody got big. So let's kind of go through what's happening in nineteen ninety two. Um, Toby, me, and you were in eighth grade, mm-hmm. but we were going to rival junior high schools. Yeah, I represented. Um, Spring Grove, Illinois, population 500. Uh, Toby Toby lived in the big town, Richmond, Illinois, population 1,000. Mm-hmm. Um, every year we had a, a basketball game, and every mm-hmm. year the Richmond Rams would just destroy us. <laughs> we loved that game. <laughs> uh, the average monthly rent was $519. Cost of a gallon of gas was $1.05. Uh, kind of a kind of, uh, quick um, top line of what's going on during this time. The first nicotine patch is introduced 
to help stop smoking, and DNA fingerprinting is invented. The continuing Balkan war for the next three years between a Muslim Serbs and Croats rages and prompting UN intervention, and the UK rioting breaks out in cities including Bristol and in France, uh, Euro Disney opens. In the U.S., Bill Clinton becomes president in the largest mall in America. Minnesota's Mall of America is constructed, spanning 78 acres. You're welcome, Toby. <laughs> Thank you. <world>. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to add to that. The, uh, there's a famous uh, Dan Quayle. He's at the World Spelling Bee Championships, and some kid spelled potato correctly, and Dan Quayle's oh, that's like, right. you spelled it incorrectly. He's the vice president, you know, telling a, uh, lecturing a kid, on, and he was wrong, of course a great comic comedy political moment from that year <laughs> <laughs> and um also the u.s refuses to sign the u.n convention on climate change and biological diversity in rio de janeiro i included that just to remind everyone that we've always been pieces of shit well this is this is uh george george hw bush so like when clinton came in i'm sure he reversed all the stuff he could you know but uh yeah. you know it was clearly a republican move <laughs> for the time you know <laughs> i also uh, want to say mortal Kombat was released in 2000 i'm sorry in that year 92 oh, was it oh mm-hmm. that was pretty amazing okay let's go through the top five box office for 1992 batman returns uh Number two, Lethal Weapon 3. Number three, Sister Act, starring Whoopi Goldberg. Number four, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And number five was Wayne's World. Crazy, that was in 92. Uh, Singles was 74th, behind Cape Fear, and a couple ahead of Free Jack, that I believe was uh, starring Emilio Estevez, right? They're a bunch of mind hackers or something uh, in 2009. Um, I see that Toby doesn't know. Maybe I'm the only Emilio Estevez had to hear only from my ducks you know <laughs> yeah. in minnesota i know all about it okay uh the best picture the best picture i'm sorry was uh unforgiven by clint eastwood oh, i thought it was wayne's world oh, <laughs> robbed uh, unforgiven <laughs> yeah. was great definitely worth a rewatch uh potentially if we do a western thing oh yeah, definitely too bad there's not a month with a, a letter w yeah October. Okay. February. Come yeah. on. <laughs> oh, the best new band in the Grammys? Arrested Development. Remember Ooh. that? Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. Oh. Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> never mind. Didn't they do uh, Mr. Wendell? Yes. Oh, yeah. I think they Damn. had Mr. Wendell in their band. They had an old man. You guys are taking me back. Yeah. Uh, he, they had the old bearded guy. He was like 80 or something. Mr. Wendell. Yep. Sorry, it's, it's, cra- on. it's crazy like when i was going through this i was just remembering all this stuff because 92 is like so in eighth grade like that's really kind of when i was starting to you know where you're getting out of your kind of like little kid and you're finally forming your like your legs and stuff like that so all this stuff is so gigantic to me at the time sure <clears throat> sorry about that uh never mind actually was a uh, number one album for only one week on January 11th, 1992. I'll Pearl also Jam. say that the, the world, this is how uh, an illustration of how much the world changed between 1990 and 92 musically. In 1990, I did a lip sync contest to Metallica's One. Um, and by that 92, sounds amazing. Yeah, it's like in, seven minutes. Like, I was in, yeah, no, me. There's some and, tempo changes oh, happening up in there. Woo. We, we won ten dollars at a sixth grade uh, lip sync contest. I should hope so. That was an ambitious <laughs> pick. 
<laughs> and that's that's nineteen ninety dollars. You know, like yeah. ten. Bones. Oh yeah, you were living large. Right. Ten bones. Let's go to Chili's, y'all. And yeah. and to put that in perspective, uh, that ten dollars in. 2007, I played a gig at the ter- terminal bar with my band, uh, and we got paid three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen! <laughs> um, okay, so during 1992, so the uh, Toby is mentioning some albums that were released in 1991, they started to gain steam in 1992, uh, you know, based on Nevermind's success. So we have 10 which starts to gain steam in 1992 and then proceeds to go 13 times platinum. Bad Motorfinger was also released in 91. Starts games, uh, just really starts to explode in 1992. Dirt from Alice in Chains comes out. And other notable releases, which is crazy, was uh, Rage Against the Machine's debut album. Uh, the Chronic came out. Slanted and Enchanted by Pavement. Check Your Head by the Beastie Boys. Core by STP. Core was great, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vulgar Display of Power by Pantera. Also great. Um, I, I I really wanted to get my kids and just be like, look, you guys, don't you understand? Like, but they're they're young; they don't care. They're just like, give me the watch, like. Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> Put down yeah. that Slayer. We're listening to Pantera. <laughs> no, they're still listening to Frozen too. They're just Ooh, like, lots of prayers, dude. Sorry about it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> But in the end, it doesn't matter because the number one selling album in 1992 was Some Gave All by Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, which, right uh, in the well, heart. No, but it helps. It was good in the sense that Weird Al Yankovic made a cover of Achy Breaky Heart and did uh, uh, Achy Breaky Song. Don't no. play the song, the Achy Breaky <laughs> Song, the most annoying oh. song I know. But in the mess, the grunge scene really starts to explode. And so... I want to kind of take a little bit of time right here and kind of check in with everybody and kind of see what the like what what did grudge mean to you guys? Let's start with you, Robin. Okay, I'm not trying to brag, but in 10th grade, I got a boyfriend. So wow. let's start cool. there. Oh. And hey, Brian, if you're listening, um, he was he was he in high school or is he in college? No, he was definitely in high school. Um, okay. And he introduced me to Alice in Chains. I think he introduced Ooh. me to the single soundtrack. So I will say he like um, like this list right here, STP, um, Rage even. Like all of these are things that um, he introduced me to. And like a good girlfriend, I was like, oh, yes, I do love Alice in Chains. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, I definitely – I remember all of this. I, God, I remember the um, – Smells like Teen Spirit video, kind of like just. I mean, if it if there were Twitter or the internet at the time, it would have crashed Twitter and the internet. Like it was such a huge deal, and MTV just like could not stop playing it over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, this is like. I mean, I know music just hits us so viscerally, but I felt this music like when I started listening to the music again to get ready to come on here and hearing it in the uh, movie itself. Woo. It got yeah. me right it's in the really heart. Good. This 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 era for me, the grunge era, is my formative music era. You know, like it's um, I I still listen. I, like just a week ago, uh, you know, I listened to the Allison Chains Unplugged record. Um, at least my wife, four years younger than me, thinks I'm insane. Like anytime I have on anything from this era, she's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what is this noise?" 
You should wear your Nirvana t-shirt with the naked baby in the swimming yeah. pool going out to the dollar. She will yeah. think you are crazy. Uh, but uh, I'm with you. Like, like this music at the time, I remember my dad asking when uh, when Kurt Cobain uh, died. Uh, he, we were, I was always watching MTVs like and someone, Kurt Loder or someone is like, did Kurt Cobain speak for a generation? And my dad was like, what do you think, Toby? Did Kurt Cobain? I was like, oh, God, yeah. You know, <laughs> if yeah. Kurt Loder says it, I believe it. You're oh my God. back. I was not allowed to watch MTV for the record. I did all the time. Yeah. I had a code set up with my yeah. younger brother. We would whistle or like ta- tap our feet <laughs> if someone was coming. We watched the uh, hell out of some MTV, but we were not supposed uh, to. No. Oh, it is amazing how um, MTV was during those days because I think I we just got cable during that, that year or something like that. Because I just remember turning on MTV and seeing like Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I was just like totally just blown away. Oh, yeah. You know, I just like kept on watching it you know and yeah. it was it was pretty it was pretty amazing because it was something it was nice to have like this popular music that you could really identify with you know yeah and, and so I, go ahead the contrast for from what came so this is how i recall this is my like subjective memory that has aged with me and i've changed the memory over time of course <laughs> um but what i remember is the day before nirvana released that single on mtv like it was like poison unskinny bop and like uh oh, you know yeah. kickstart my heart and like and all of a Both sudden Nirvana... of those are kick-ass jams first of all <laughs> yes and but nirvana comes on and it's a total contrast from like these like totally these men who hair like, bands yeah hair band i remember looking at the poison unskinny bop record and being like i don't know if these are men or women but god they're hot like <laughs> and like nirvana came along and they're like the opposite like we don't have, you know, like there's nothing sexy about it at all. It's just no, like, we, their we cheerleaders are their cheerleaders are deeply depressed, and that right. smells like Teen Spirit video. Right. Yeah, that was so dark. I mean, literally, the yeah. video itself is so dark. Yeah, and it was like we're not cool. It, it, like the contrast that to Poison and all those uh, the hair metal were like we're the coolest. We're gonna wreck your hotel. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> And you know it's interesting that you say that, Toby, is because I think the difference between the the grunge scene in Seattle and L.A. is something that really um, spoke to Cameron Crowe, and something that I was going to talk about a little, little bit later. But since you kind of brought it up, you know, one of the things that Cameron Crowe said that like all these uh, guys in these bands, you know, they all had day jobs. Uh, he was talking about like yeah. Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament, they're working in coffee shops during the day. And then playing music and just partying at night. Chris Cornell, he he worked for years at just like a seafood restaurant as a sous chef and like a fishmonger, just worked his way up. And before Soundgarden made it big. And uh, Cameron Crowe um, had this uh, quote. He said, in L.A., there's none of that. It was more like, oh, the drummer lives with his girlfriend and he's lived there for three years. And she works all day right. in a legal firm <laughs> so he can play drums all night. Right. So he really liked that this whole this whole um, kind of crew, they worked all day just to finance their lifestyle. And it was just a yeah. real kind of DIY. They built the, the, themselves, you oh, know? Neat. It's a neat contrast. Um, that yeah. probably still might still be applicable between Seattle and L.A. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I should say, too. So I lived I played in a band in L.A. for a year and, uh, and then I moved to Minneapolis shortly thereafter and played in a band 
here for years. And um, the, in LA, the music's horrible, but the bands are super tight and the musicianship is amazing and the shows mm-hmm. are great, but the music sucks. In Minneapolis, the music's awesome, but nobody gives a shit about the show, so you're bored to tears. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh. oh, man. Well, let's get more into the movie. Um, I found this intro quote that I was pretty that I thought was pretty interesting. It's from a New York Times article, November fifteenth, nineteen ninety two, by Rick Mar- uh, Marin. It says, "This generation of greasy Caucasian youths in ripped jeans, untucked flannel, and stomping boots spent their formative years watching television, inhaling beer or pot, listening to old Black Sabbath albums, and dreaming of the day that they would trade in their air guitars for the real thing." So that they too could become famous rock and roll heroes. A culture was born. And then Toby takes that and he just starts pooping all over it when he starts sending those texts about how he hates singles. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The, 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 so like just to get into the the uh, the problem I had is like it's the soundtrack overpowers the story. Like like yeah. I'm watching it at times going like it was like too there was too much soundtrack like and too much like check out this music yeah. and, and you know, 25 years later, whatever, like it's just, or 30 years, however many years later, um, you know, it just didn't play. Like it wasn't, the music wasn't interesting in the way that, uh, it would have been 27 years ago or whatever. <laughs> like, you didn't buy those dorks going to the Allison chains concert. I no, I, I bought it like that as a plot point. Great. Um, uh, but like where the, the music, you know, there were scenes where like, it was clear, like Cameron Co was like, I need to jam another Soundgarden song in here, right here. Yeah. You know, like in like the music's going to carry the plot. And I just, it, it didn't work for me this year. <laughs> so I 100% so question, agree that the jams hold up, but the movie did not. So do you guys think that the soundtrack is bigger than the movie? 100 percent yeah i think the soundtrack like like, i think it is i think it was cameron crowe's intention that the soundtrack is a core part of the movie like like it didn't sound like he was like trying to like commercialize the music as much as like he's like this music tells the story Mm -hmm. did you know that this was released three months before the movie i thought that was pretty crazy Hmm. the soundtrack oh really well that Yeah. yeah that makes sense he could build the build up the movie you know if, if the movie and then they're like oh why don't you see the movie too or something right well it took a while to get it to theaters i did a little research on some drama oh, yeah. behind the find? scene um they just kept um focus grouping it and kind of having issues and not getting the numbers that they wanted and it sounded all very like hollywood like we're not scoring well with the uh, young women or like we need to get yeah. our numbers up with like older men and they just kept having these screenings and um it sounded like a real rough time for our friend cameron crow and also one of the stars was apparently very difficult on set but we'll get to that later yeah. if you'd like Ooh. i know Ooh. all right well let's get, let's get through the soundtrack part so it actually went double platinum so it sold over two million copies um so it almost made as much money as the film itself <laughs> uh, you know like it, where is cds 14.99 back then um uh, i can't remember sounds about Anyways. right yeah might have made twice as much. Who knows? Uh, I mean, some of these, we don't need to go through the whole list, but um, what are your guys' favorite songs? Uh, from Toby? the movie? Or? Yeah, no, from the soundtrack, yeah. Uh, I mean, I love the Screaming Trees song, You Nearly Locked yeah. Me. Um, so good. 
uh, Alice in Chains. I heard Wood. That was one thing where I heard yeah. Wood by Alice in Chains in the movie. I was like, oh, I got to listen to that again. <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> See, I think that's the only one that gets radio play currently. Like mm. you can hear Wood oh, really? by Alice in Chains on the radio today and not be like, what is that 90s throwback? Like that is a jam that holds up. I think that's the correct answer for favorite song, but my actual answer is State of Love and Trust by Pearl Jam. So good. Oh, yeah, right. that's a really or good. Or just like I think the part, which is probably uh-huh. ableist, but I still love it. You know, it's it's interesting. I used to hate all the Paul Westerberg songs, <gasps> but then I got then I got older and I started like, oh, I like them. And for my intro song, I actually sent him um the guy who wrote the for on Fiverr for me. I sent him uh, Paul Westerberg's uh, for the waiting for somebody. Or one of those songs from singles to be like, they're oh, essentially here. the same song, so it yeah. could be either one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just yeah. Uh, my favorite is "Drown" from Smashing Pumpkins. It's Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's such a good. I mean, the extended version where they do the, it's like all, but all these are, you know, you got. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a there's not a bad one in the bunch. I gotta no. say, a uh, birth ritual. Oh, so here's oh, the thing. So good. Um, they have the actual five minute full version of birth ritual on youtube you can see like chris cornell like just sitting like he there's like this these rafters on the ceiling and at the end of the song he like climbs up and is hanging upside down just like screaming ritual like while they're all just like jamming i highly recommend it so i saw chris cornell one time in 96 at Lollapalooza, and the screaming trees were there too um, and I was right up front for both of those shows, as memory recalls, accurate or not. Uh, but one cool thing about Chris Cornell is he did the drum tuning for Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. You know, usually they send out some roadie, but we're all like, is that Chris Cornell on the stage tuning the drums? <laughs> I think <laughs> it is. It was awesome. So It's crazy. This whole movie is like an unofficial like Chris Cornell movie, even though he's mm-hmm. in it for like two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um so I found my favorite random trivia has to do with uh, the Spoon Man song. So there is a scene that is not included in the cut. It's uh, Cliff. Uh, his band breaks up. Like they all get like the other guys get jobs at Boeing or something. So he's now a solo <laughs> musician. That and, tracks. Go on. Yep. <clears throat> and so they so they he was just playing on the side of the street, just busking. And he made himself like a little five like a cassette tape, like five song cassette tape. And um, they hired Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam at the time. They hired him onto the um, to movie because they were hiring, they were giving other people jobs as well to kind of keep them paid or whatever. Like Eddie Vedder was mm-hmm. teaching Matt Dillon guitar and stuff. And so Jeff Ament was, was doing graphic design and he designed like um, this one and he just made up these, song titles that he thought and one of them was called seasons which is and then another one's called spoon man chris cornell saw these and he's like you know what i'm going to take these home and write songs about songs from all these and so that's where seasons which is on the soundtrack came from that and also spoon man became you know on uh i forget which one it's probably like but it became a really big song so i thought that was pretty interesting Awesome. And, yeah, and also Chris Cornell was considered for a brief second um, to star in the in the movie as uh, as Cliff, mm-hmm. but they ended up kind of walking back because they didn't want to make it like making fun of him, you know? Right. And so, oh yeah, and Nirvana declined to be on the soundtrack because they they're like we heard it's a love story and like <laughs> whatever, like 
and they're just sort of like we heard it's lame we heard that they and oh there's all there's a on youtube there's a clip of them talking about it and it's it's obvious that they haven't really talked to anybody about it but they've heard rumors they're like we've heard a rumor that they hired a cover band to play something that sounds like us and so we're not about that and we're not going to do anything for this movie wow so that's not rock and roll yeah no yeah they're definitely being rock and roll here (laughs) yeah um okay so let's get into uh kind of more of the movie so with this movie and how it i guess it really didn't captivate it captivated maybe more me than both of you because i think at the time in eighth grade you know like or like when you're kind of in that age you're just young and you just you're just confused and at the time i really like to see myself as like whatever mm-hmm. like fantasize myself in these bands or in this movie for forever for whatever reason like i wanted so badly to have my like young adulthood be like i would be campbell scott from you know singles you know yeah mm-hmm. like like i was always like oh that's that's kind of like and it's interesting so if you give me a second here like uh we also did you've got mail i almost i was thinking about it it's like in the beginning of the 90s i kind of wanted my life to be like singles like i was going to have a an apartment and work whatever and go see rock bands and towards the end of the 90s or something like i like i i wanted to be an adult like joe fox and have a boat or something you know (laughs) i don't know if that makes sense but i thought i think yeah but i think that's why singles meant so much for me because i was you know i was young and confused and sensitive and liked rock and roll music and i saw like and with campbell scott specifically i was like here's a guy that uh is still cool he has his mud honey shirt on <laughs> that's how you can tell <laughs> yeah he has a sub pot yeah. thing but then he still calls up he's like you know we have times you know like that kind of stuff too uh, so <laughs> i don't know so that so there it is i'm bearing my soul to you guys so how much what did this movie mean to you guys not that much toby you want to go I, rip I it to shreds and I then rem- i'll well, tell you my I reality remember, bites uh, take when I w- when I saw it the first time, which might have been ninety two, yeah. um, I remember like I fell in love with the Bridget Fonda character, and I thought the dialogue, like this typical yeah. Cameron Crowe dialogue, that's I watched it this week. I'm like, God, this is horrible. But back then, I remember being like, <laughs> yeah. in a different alternate universe, we'd be a scorching couple. In that, I was like, ah. Oh. so great (laughs) like the teacher like the teacher in christmas story when he's dreaming what when she's reading it oh oh beautiful what took you so long right (laughs) right yeah oh that's a great line come on now it is a great line all right all right robin why don't you tell us why we should have done reality bites (laughs) (laughs) okay i have to say on the rewatch i really enjoyed this movie it was it also had adult content. Like I can't oh, believe yeah. I watched this in high school. Like I feel like it definitely probably informed some of my notions about male female <laughs> relations and relationships. Um, so that's number one. I thought it was definitely had some adult content, um, which I liked. And um I think that Reality Bites is a superior movie. I'm sorry. There is not a whole lot of movie to this movie, I don't think. And I did not, I don't, I bought into the, um, like Janet and Cliff don't care. Like, um, yeah. for like, they didn't have chemistry 
as far as I can tell. Um, but I was there for Linda and Steve. Campbell yeah. Scott seemed like a grown ass man. Like, can we talk about the fact that young people back in the day looked older than young people now? Like, <laughs> Campbell Scott, how old were they supposed to be? Like, they were supposed to be young to mid twenties. I mean, like mid twenties, right? He was like, out of college. I don't know. Both of them, both um, Kira Sedgwick and Campbell Scott, looked like adult people to me. <laughs> anyway. And if you do want to do reality bites, let me know because I am here for some Winona Ryder, Ethan. Maybe Hawk. because other people have said that too, and I feel like I'm the last person on Singles Mountain. Me and Cameron Crow, you know. Oh, you guys pulled like it off. And well, but Cameron, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's like, but then kind of watching it again and talking now, it's it's hard to kind of distinguish how much is it just my uh, overall love of all the all the music and stuff that's included along with the movie and how much of the movie, because there, there are parts of movies where you can largely just forget about they're amusing, but there's really yeah. only like really one really good storyline, I think. And and that's the Linda and Steve one. Agreed. All the rest are kind of just peripheral, Terrible. you know, I yeah. think you it's okay to get carried away by the jams. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought, um, you know, if we could have started the the cliff and what's her name mid like like it the setup is too <laughs> obvious and dumb, but uh, you know, like she's like, ah, oh, I just love you, and you just see every, you know, Cameron Crow like tells us rather than shows us. Right. <laughs> she's like, um, and like so the setup's bad but i actually liked that thing and you know you could uh, the 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 interrupting line where uh what's his name kisses bridget fonda and it's like really and she's like we're just roommate or we're just neighbors you know? yeah. uh, like i didn't buy that but i actually li- liked the cliff you know the cliff love story well let's talk about it right now so let's get into the movie because there's actual there's an actual movie here so singles what? follows a collection of young Gen Xers that live in an iconic apartment block. Well, except for Linda. She doesn't live there. She has her own place. So let's meet. So I just, I'm just going to focus on kind of those two stories. And we can kind of talk about some of the other stuff a little bit later. So there's Janet and Cliff. Janet Livermore. She works at a coffee shop. Let's see, she's saving for college, I guess, or something. Uh, she's young, but a little naive. Her standards are pretty low. She's just looking for a person to say, bless you. Tell me from a girl's point of view, what do, you, what do you really want from a guy? Well, when I first moved out here from Tucson, huh? I wanted a guy with looks, security, caring, someone with their own place, someone who said, bless you, or tight when I sneezed, you know? And um, someone who liked the same things as me, but not exactly, and... Someone who loves me. Tall order. Yeah, I scaled it down a little. Well, what is it now? Someone who says tight when I sneeze. Although, I prefer bless you. You gotta hold Sad. out for something better. Yeah. Sad. Standards yeah. have fallen. No. <laughs> In well, the were... 90s, in the nineties, you're just lucky to have a guy to say bless you. That's what Cameron <laughs> Crowe. <laughs> there was that, and then the the thing with the opening the door, the, lifting the, yep, the lock the on the door. Lock. Wasn't there were that... a lot of signs. That was Campbell Scott. Yeah, but wasn't that from? Uh, there was an earlier movie, or maybe yeah. it was later. Uh, no, was it Boys it... in the Hood? Or... No, it'll come to me. But that's definitely a trope that's shown up before. 
So let's continue on while you guys are thinking about it. She is totally in love with her boyfriend, Cliff. Cliff Poncier. He's kind of standing for the typical Seattle grunge musician. He has three jobs and a band called Citizen Dick, which has uh, three other members of Pearl Jam in it. Um, and he's very honest about his relationship with Janet, but she's not listening. Yeah. She does not. Yeah. Which I got, like, Cliff is actual, like, I never thought he was, like, kind of playing around with her because he's looking at, at her and it's like, you know I've seen other people, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. That show, right? Yeah, we got that show. We got these guys are coming up from L.A. It's great. It's going to be really rocking. Bye, Cliff. Great. Well, so um, come over after. Deal. Look, Janet, you know I see other people still, right? And you do know that, don't you? You don't fool me. Chad cannot be fooling you less. And she yeah. says, when you have a connection, you just, you don't have to talk about, like, oh, God. And, and, terrible. And I, terrible. I actually, it was terrible. However, I do like that Cameron Crowe chose to make Cliff honest. Like, because yeah. then we didn't have that, like, typical stupid setup that rom-coms have, you know? Oh, like, she catches him, like, making yeah, out. Yeah, like, uh... yeah. So, like, I loved that he was just honest. Like, hey, I'm seeing lots of other women, too. You know, <laughs> she's like, whatever. You're not. <laughs> I don't have any self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and she be- she gets less of self-esteem um, because she gets obsessed about her, about getting a boob job. Because she asked Cliff if her breasts are too small. Okay. Ask me. Are my breasts too small for you? Sometimes. <laughs> Woof. I like yeah. that answer. Like sometimes, yeah. Because oh, I can re- I can Toby, relate. No. <laughs> sometimes oh, no, I like no. A, sometimes I like B. I don't uh, know. <laughs> oh God. Oh. So she goes to plastic surgeon uh Dr. Bill Pullman, who yes. develops a crush on her and talks her out of it. So my question is, <laughs> why wouldn't she just go after Dr. Bill Pullman? Because he's there, like right? ten years plus older than her. He's boring and old and that encounter oh. in retrospect was so inappropriate <laughs> that's Very true creepy. yeah <laughs> do we need to send it to the seattle to his like uh yeah whatever somebody needs to report him to the medical board yes definitely oh, and man. and you know that's not the first time that he's tried to bang one of his customers you know <laughs> Yes. I don't know. He said he would never. I don't usually do this. Yeah, right. <laughs> Can we talk about the graphics on the computer to like grow? Oh, the yeah. Boob oh, yeah. Down? yeah. That is a classic line. Do you jog? That is <laughs> great. That's great stuff. Well, and I, yeah. I love that you bring up the computer graphics. So Windows uh, 3.1 was released in 92. So presumably this was whatever came before that. Um but like the the fact that they both knew how to like use this computer yeah. was quite impressive. She's like F nine makes them bigger, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, right. But it's important that you that you work on this together. I think that is like <laughs> with your plastic surgeon. Right. And then and then the plastic... like, Can we split the difference? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, girl. Yeah, and he's like, "I love you," and she's like, "No, nah. let's make out a little bit." Yeah, no, not appropriate. And and I think like Bill Pullman, um, 
reached his apex in Spaceballs in 1987. Um, anything post Spaceballs is like is simply uh, just a rehash of that character for me. Oh, disagree. I think he got way hotter as the decades ticked past. <laughs> All right. So Janet listens to the doctor, though, and dumps Cliff. Uh, so regardless of the ethical quandary he, he was in, Dr. Bill, uh, Dr. Bill Pullman gives her good advice. So Cliff realizes that he uh, what he did later. So this is the only part. like They didn't really kind of go into what changed his mind. And I think there's some deleted scenes that also show like his band breaking up and stuff. Mm-hmm. which probably could have shown his motivation for him just like, oh, man, I got to get back with Janet. Like, I'm kind of, you know, like, have more motivation. But it, it just sort of seems like she leaves and is happy being on her own. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I got to get her back. I mean, doesn't that do it sometimes, though? Like a gal who's no, I no know. longer interested? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he didn't get a personality transplant. Like maybe he evolved and grew a little bit, but I don't have high expectations of these two. No, they're no. same issues. They haven't addressed the core issues here, <laughs> which is that she has low self-esteem right. and he's a dumb dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like he installed a car stereo that blows out her windows. Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and you know, he was breaking into her apartment, writing her name and rose petals. Like, Robin, as our expert female today, is that yes. is that okay? Like a, a little even, light B and E in the name of romance? <laughs> no, yeah. never okay. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, would you rather have a note or something? Like, I don't you know. know, just text me. It doesn't have to <laughs> well, be. Well, we don't have text. It's nineteen ninety two. Oh, um, I don't know. Leave your uh, garage door opener under the mat. I, I don't know. <laughs> there are there are all sorts of uh, high tech uh gadgets and gizmos going on in this movie <laughs> yeah just run into me the next time at the alice and chains concert and we'll talk about it <laughs> um, so finally they end up in the elevator because why do you need an elevator for two fl- but anyways <laughs> i was wondering that too yeah. oh, that little <laughs> melrose place looking Uh, Again, because go, of lowered up. expectations. Yeah. Okay, so my question is: How long do you two? Uh, how do you? Uh, how long do you think these two will stay together? I give it a month. <laughs> I mean, not nah, they're going to fall back into their old ways with within a maybe maybe a month, and then uh, you know Cliff starts banging everyone else, and they do the old thing. Well, who says romance is dead, Toby? <laughs> not you. <laughs> I think that, I think they make it to at least one kid and they get divorced. Ooh, oh, yeah. I, I yeah. could see that too, you know. But it's an amicable. Uh, oh yeah, they're it's like and it's going to be a, it's going to be fine and they're going to be they'll look at each other one day and say we're better friends. I could than, see that. Uh, you know. Janet is just that good at deluding herself. Just, I could see that. Yeah. I'm on board. <laughs> All right, so the next so uh Let's get into Linda and Steve. Yes. So Linda let's. Powell, Kira Sedgwick. Uh, Linda works for a nonprofit, but drives a gas guzzler. In the beginning of the movie, she falls for Luis, a lion Spaniard who charms her with the I only have one week left story and breaks her heart. And she vows never to let her garage opener ever go to someone else again. But while she's out dancing at the Allison Chains concert, she meets Steve Dunn. 
played by Campbell Scott, who is the son of George C. Scott, if you guys and know that. fun fact, is also a hottie. Noted. <laughs> that is fun. <laughs> he was pretty, like, he, he was a good-looking man. And, he was. Um, and that's right. He yeah. is George C. Scott's son. And yep. can I give you another fun fact? Yeah. You, this movie overlapped with Dying Young. You may oh, remember that's right. a Campbell Scott yeah. vehicle. And he was super skinny and pale and um, bald for that movie. And it became a huge issue on singles. Um, they talked about getting him a wig. And Cameron Crowe was like super not jazzed about his hair and his look and how skinny he was and thought he looked sick and blah, blah, blah. And they got into it. And um, it apparently was very tense on the mm. set. And there you go. That's all I got for you on the Campbell Scott wow. front. Wow. But also a Stone Cold Fox, if I didn't <laughs> mention that previously. Yeah, it seemed like at that time, that was his moment where he was like this hot, dramatic actor. And he just, like, he still had a career, but it just wasn't as huge as people, I think, thought in 1992. Yeah, he definitely, I put him in like the Timothy Hutton category of like super, like promising people who didn't yeah. do a whole bunch after mm-hmm. their time yeah did some broadway yeah did some tv i'm sure he's directing oh you know what he's in royal pains sorry side note oh <laughs> so but in this movie he's steve dunn uh, steve is an ex-college dj who is designing a super train and is looking for love maybe he's an honest eloquent guy who has cool band t-shirts and is basically who i wanted to be when i grew up when i was in eighth grade <laughs> i did not grow up to be him at all <laughs> that was not steve dunn but <laughs> Um, you know, sometimes we watch movies and see ourselves in the roles. So what person in the movie would you guys want to be? Or did you want to be at the time? Toby. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Robert, Hit it, Toby. Ahead. I must have been Cliff in 92 because I, I wanted to. You whatever, wanted the hair. Whatever eighth grade Toby wanted to do with Janet, which was probably very different <laughs> from what I do with her today. Um, <laughs> you know, touch boobs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know how. You know how you do sex uh, yeah. on a girl? <laughs> Develop a connection, you know, like what that's what Toby likes to do. Oh, man. How about you, Robin? Um, so I think one of... I don't think I was a Janet, but when Janet goes through that whole sequence of if I make this basket, it's fate telling me to call him... If I make this basket, that's fate telling me to call him. Two out of three. Wait, did no basket mean call him or don't call him? I had never felt more seen in my entire life. (laughs) I thought I truly believe that I was the only person who did crazy shit like that. Um, So that felt very like someone was looking into my soul. But I think um, the truth of the matter is um, I am much more like uh, Debbie Hunt, that crazy woman Mm. biking all over Seattle Mm -hmm. to try and get a date with um, Gary from 30 something. Uh Um, and then like losing him to um, my roommate. Uh, but she did get a happy ending in the end with Victor Garber, another mm. amazing guest star. And then who would you guys uh, would have liked to hook up with? So Toby, Steve, I think you Steve, said Janet. Steve, 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 Steve. Steve. Yeah. Steve. yeah. <laughs> he just grabs it, right? Isn't that like, maybe it's every like <laughs> girl's fantasy, right? Like it's Steve Dunn. He's nice. 
Well, right. he's funny. He's, he's, he's not freaking out about like broken I was dishes. just nowhere yeah. near your neighborhood. I mean, <laughs> I feel like all of these gentlemen could use a consent talk, but um, I don't know. I love. I I will say at that age, a guy coming up to me and saying like, I have a argument going with my friend about whether or not you have to have a pickup line or a thing or an act or whatever. Hey. Oh my god, like just take me home now, Steve. Like that was so oh I think I was in eighth grade at the McHenry County Fair, and I think I actually, like on a dare, went up to a girl and said, if I follow you home, will you keep me? Toby, come on, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you couldn't, like, drive and follow her home. Like, he's <laughs> like the car just kept on going faster. He's, like, running. He's Remember that time when Toby got arrested at the state fair? That <laughs> uh, was hilarious. <laughs> That's a good, you know, Robin, you bring up a good point that I don't remember them talking about like knowing where she lived at all so he was like oh, crawling he behind ways. her he worked for yeah. the department of transportation yeah. y'all he had resources oh. yeah oh man super train and i gotta oh. say like um uh having seen multiple train lines built in minneapolis since i've been here and being curious about politics that is not how train lines get built what <laughs> Tom Skerritt doesn't take you out to lunch and crush your dreams? Uh, no, you, yeah, it's very different. So, it turns out in real life. So it's not like putting like a coffee shop on, on wheels and just like <laughs> have it like roll How around. How many times did he say that it was going to have good coffee? The train, right, right. it's going to have also good like coffee. music and great music. Like yeah. there's going to be Alice in Chains in the oh. super train, like playing. Live. You know? <laughs> Eddie Vedder unplugged. With coffee. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's put in some uh, some great music and continue on. Okay, so they meet at the show, and it doesn't work out, but they end up seeing each other at that uh, newspaper stand, and they start kind of hooking up. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah, and so oh wait, so they date a little. They, they go on the first date or something, and Steve listens to his friends and doesn't call back for four days. Did did either of you guys do anything like that ridiculous, like not call for like, you remember, or, or did you call time. right away? In college, no. I mean, I pulled that. I mean, me and my friends would go home. We'd have that exact same conversation. Oh, when should we call? We'd wait, you know. We'd uh, be like, oh, I can't call today, you know. You didn't do anything like leave a note, did you? No, I left my blue t-shirt by mistake. There oh, are no. What? What is that? What does that mean? Janet, give me the phone. <clears throat> I am going to call my new semi-girlfriend. You don't realize you're going to scare her off. She's beautiful. Anyone would call her. You distinguish yourself by not calling her. Yep. Um, I do remember like a little bit of back and forth about like who should call whom and when. And like it's a little different with like gender dynamics, which is crazy. But um, I did want to ask how 
many times have you seen in TV and movies where um, shenanigans with the answering machine tape have like been a plot point? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That seemed a little hackneyed, but maybe they were the first and I'm just tired of it now. Right. Right. That happens to me all the time. Now my answering machine tape gets eaten up. (laughs) Oh, can't trust it. I'm living in a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> but though there are times even today where my wife will be like, why didn't you text me back? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even see the message yet. I'm sorry. Like, now you can tell her that your answering machine tape got eaten up just like old. What's her name? <laughs> well, and, and uh, just yesterday, actually, um, uh, she sent me a message and I thought it was like irrelevant. I thought we had, ta- she sent me it. I thought we had talked about it. And then she, she's like, did you get my text? I'm like, I don't, think so i don't see any new texts and so she sent me like two messages that were like test test like really salty (laughs) like like, i got those (laughs) i love you honey (laughs) well it's too bad that the um that answer machine tape ate up that stuff because steve has some great lines he has some great game i lied when i'm when I acted casual, like Mr. Casual, and I should have said it. You belong with me. We belong together, and, and, and you know what really pissed me off is that, I mean, now that we're really talking, you thought that I proposed to you only because you were pregnant. What's that about? I mean, hey, this is not the bathroom. What what are your favorite Steve Dunn lines? What do you think? I got a couple. I just want to throw out one that's probably not going to be there, but I loved it when he was talking about her ex boyfriend as Mister Sensitive Ponytail Man. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's so good. <laughs> I still say that. Like if, if I see yeah. a guy who looks like that guy, that is how we refer to him. That is like that one had staying power. Um, you guys already know that I um melted with. I was just nowhere near your neighborhood. Even yeah. though it is wow. stalkerish, it's so good, and I love how it be- it bookends the movie. You know, she yeah. uses it at the end. Come and on, then, you two! Yeah. What are you made of wood? No, no, I, no. I was, I was, I was kind of just like crying and blubbing like a little. <laughs> I was like, oh, like what took you so long? You know, like yeah. no, that was no, that was a uh, pretty great. What do you think, Toby? How about a great cliff line? Hey, babe, okay. don't get me sick. I'm playing this weekend. <laughs> I hate him. You are I. You are reminding me of how repellent he is. Oh. That does nothing, does nothing for me. I'm not a cliff gal. <laughs> Can we talk very quickly while we're still on um, the Steve scene about the pregnancy test and like oh. how they had to do like oh. actual chemistry and like mixing true? and beakers and things? No, there were beakers, oh. like like strange beakers, like yeah, yeah. like that's yeah. that is not uh, that 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 flavor of pregnancy test was before my time, but yeah, no, I guess you used to have to do some legit like honors chemistry to find out if you were knocked up back in the day. Yeah, Man, that's crazy because I've only I have seen the pee on the thing and see the 
double lines or whatever, right? Right. It's pretty yeah. definitive these days. <laughs> right. You, you can buy one. Yes. <laughs> Man. You can't debate it away. You're like, no, 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 no. I, I... Oh, and how about Steve? He's putting all the pregnancy tests in the cart, and then he buys a rose. Oh, oh, yeah, from cause... Jeremy Piven. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. oh yeah. another cameo. Not only is Tim Burton mm-hmm. in there as the director, but Paul Giamatti is one of his first. Mm. Paul Giamatti. He was Rolls. licking that girl's that face. That was great. What was that line? <laughs> what? The sound what? that was coming from those two <laughs> was so gross. Uh, and, and, then uh. he, and then his girlfriend's like, you just can't get any privacy these days. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. Um, Eric Stoltz was also yes. in it. He was the mime. Yeah, yeah he was the, um, the talkative mime. The talkative <laughs> mime. And then, yeah. Who was the, the bike riding guy? He's been That's in a bunch Gary of, from Thirty Something. Yeah, he was in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, a bunch of stuff too. Yeah. And he Can went, I change my he, answer about who I'd like to bone? Uh, put Gary. me down for Gary from Thirty Something. I'm yeah, sure so, the actor has a name, but I don't care to know it. Yeah, I was like, how is he even on that video dating site, anyways? Oh because, yeah, God. Right. Video uh, dating. Do we so want to talk about the video dating? Like, the expect no. the best expect the best so when when i was in college we used to send uh we had a channel or something with video dating i can't remember what but like we would send in like video you could like do something for free like post an ad for free but to call you had to pay or something and we'd post ads for all our friends that sounds amazing (laughs) call bob he's sexy he's hairy you can't get enough (laughs) enter the forest bob you know and don't worry, I'm already outside your window. Yeah. Like <laughs> he was just nowhere near your neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's amazing. I have a few follow-up questions about that, but we can handle that <laughs> offline. Yeah. Um, so so a question. Um, so there is a bunch of other characters like Debbie Hunt that we've been talking about. What yes. are some of your favorite scenes that happen outside of these two love stories? I'm happy Debbie Hunt them. got her man. She uh, was with Victor Garber at the end. She had yeah. to ride on the airplane with that little kid. And then mm-hmm. in the end, he sent her flowers. I dig it. That was cute. The the Debbie Hunt thing. I, I also think like, you know, while it didn't contribute to my enjoyment, of, like the movie, this plot line. But I did enjoy seeing those bands performing, you know, just mm-hmm. it's like, hey, mm-hmm. there's Soundgarden. Hey, there's, you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> there's Eddie Vedder looking right. like yeah. fresh face. I mean, he looked so young. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like he's aged incredibly yeah. well, but he's still I mean, his skin was like little baby skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he had just moved up there, I think. At the time, Pearl Jam was still called. uh Mookie Blaylock. That's oh, right. really? Yeah, it wasn't in Pearl Jam yet. Hmm. And I think it, they actually solidified from when the movie started to when it came out. Like it changed. Because mm-hmm. 10 was released in August of 91. <coughs> How do you know that? Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, we're not actually this smart. Geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Toby, um, say, say that you're getting busy with some lady. And you need to think of a basketball star to keep you in the oh. game, so to say. Oh, from the Seattle SuperSonics, <laughs> yes, specifically. Clearly, who, who, who's the first one that come to your mind to keep uh, you in? Uh, I mean, Xavier McDaniel is. Well, know. it doesn't need to be Xavier McDaniel, but just in your own life. <laughs> oh, just in my life. Yeah. Um, Yikes, John Paxson. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That would do it for me too. <laughs> 
I was gonna say I'm the passing on this round, but no, I'll Robin, go my... ahead. Is it John Paxson? No. I was gonna say Scotty Pippen. There you go. Just like... I'm gonna pip you so hard. <laughs> yeah. Do you want the pip wow. in you, gentlemen? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So when you rewatch this movie, um, during this whole rewatch process, was there a specific a specific memory or feeling that came rushing back? As you went back to 1992. Um, I remember finally getting the joke about Citizen Dick and being like, oh, I am so smart. I understand. I get that reference. (laughs) Um, And side note, Touch Me on Dick is the best song title ever. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Eddie Vedder sings that. He also sings that on there. Touch Me on Dick? Yeah. Say it, Bob. Say it, Bob. Bob's going to run for office. Touch me. I'm a friend. Yeah, no. (laughs) There's no way. There's no way. (laughs) Isn't isn't life much better when you finally decide you're never going to run for office? Oh, yes. And also, again, can you imagine going through this period of time with social media or cell phone or smartphones? I'd be definitely out. Like, I'm out just based on my previous conduct, but... Like, (laughs) I don't know if they they could really bring it up that easily, but if I was like... Had Instagram when I was sixteen or something. I, I'd be dead Bad in the news. water. Oh, nope. Toby, did anything come back? Uh, Any memories? I mean, what I what I thought of that Lollapalooza thing, which some of the stuff that I witnessed at that 90, 1996 Lollapalooza, like I don't even want a state because it was sexual assault. Not well, no. So <laughs> like, this is the sexual assault I witnessed there over and over again. Anytime a so there's. 50,000 people in a cornfield like they should never have staged this here but just packed wall to wall with people anytime a female would go up on the crowd surf you know they'd go up by choice a woman would go up there they just get groped like um it, it's strange talking about it in hindsight like and just being there going oh you know <laughs> like um that that's what came right. back for me i'm sorry everybody <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like all the crimes you've witnessed in the past yeah. like well and coming back well yeah i mean that's a whole like the the whole uh you know as we've been talking about this like there's a lot of like well the world has changed a lot in terms of like how we treat each other in general you know um since 92 i think like the, yeah it's all fixed now everything's good everybody's <laughs> yeah yeah there's yep. nothing wrong <laughs> exactly pack it up everybody take off the uniform yeah. the yeah. race is over well you don't need to get too introspective toby yeah well <laughs> <laughs> on a lighter note yeah all right so i don't know if we talked about it uh yet but after the re- rewatch um what is your opinion of the movie is it is it the same? Is it worse? Is it better? Start with you, Toby. So, like, it's typical Cameron Crowe. And, like, so I, when I look at it through that lens, I go, ah, you know, it's great. Like, it's it's got all the Cameron Crowe throwaway stupidity that makes Cameron Crowe movies great. Uh, you know, all the jokes that, you know, become one-liners and that everybody said for a year. You know, <laughs> like, um, so, like, there's, like, that going on. But I think, like, at the end of the day, it's just... Um, it's enjoyable. Uh, it, it was definitely, it was enjoyable enough. And, um, you know, I give it a three out of five and maybe I'd even watch it again in a few years. See, that, that's better than I was afraid of. I was afraid of like last night and it was going to be like a one and a half, but it's rallied a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 
How about you, Robin? What do you think? Um, I adored the opportunity to revisit the soundtrack. Um, I will say, as with most things from this era, like the talking straight to camera and those little cards kind of introducing oh, each section. Yeah. All of that was just a little... That did not work for me. However, um, I was super into the Linda Steve plotline enough that it moved the movie along. Um, and uh, hashtag reality bites forever. So there you go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've I let everyone down. <laughs> no, it's a good movie. I think I truly think that like the cool answer is singles over reality bites. Like I think it's kind of just accepted as the movie that represents a generation or a movement or some nonsense like that. Well, we but. can do reality bites later. It's, like, there's no reason that we can't. But it is kind of more is there a sign um, up sheet for that, or maybe yeah, twist my yeah. arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But singles was pretty influential, uh, not only with the soundtrack, but I was reading uh, at, that they were talking to Cameron Crowe after singles about uh, doing a TV show based on singles about six friends that were kind of like they <laughs> like that uh, spent time in the coffee shop and all this. I kind think of I've stuff. heard of that show, right? And he was just like, no way, no way. But those producers no watch that. that were kind of evolved, kept on evolving it, and eventually became friends. Are you serious? Yeah. So oh, singles wow. begat friends. Kind of. In a roundabout way, they started talking about doing something similar. And obviously, um, they they moved it to New York City, right? Isn't that where Friends is? I wasn't yeah. like, um, wherever Under Tom Selleck was. Yeah. yeah. And... <laughs> We, yeah, we so might the, have to do the main character from Friends, yeah. Tom Selleck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that show is about what you think it's about, Bob. <laughs> That's why I didn't like it that much. I was just like, more Tom Selleck. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so we've been uh, rating uh, the final kisses on a food scale: uh, cold fish to hot pancake. So let's say. For which one should we do? We had a couple. Let's do the the Linda Steve yeah, final kiss. That whole final thing. I I personally think that's definitely like it, it, that's a hot mini stack of pancakes at IHOP. You know, for sure. Come in. That's a put me down as a hot tamale. The part where they're like <laughs> humping on the the garage door opener and the garage yes. doors going up and down. <laughs> that is hot. Yeah. Hot cha cha. Yeah, totally hot. And, and it was. <laughs> It wasn't like machine gun pace. So good for him. <laughs> he finally figured it out, guys. It was a very a happy ending for one and all. Reasonably paced garage door going up and down. <laughs> so so he, he. it's clear that he cares. I give it a, yeah, stack of pancakes. That was wonderful. Yeah, is that, yeah instead of like two like sharp thrusts and just a bunch of apologies later. <laughs> like, <exactly. laughs> oh, man. Do either of you have anything that you wanted to talk about before we call it a an, an episode? Anything we missed? Uh, well, Jeffrey Dahmer died in '92. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, or, I'm Toby. sorry, he Toby. Was sentenced, he was sentenced to Christ. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Uh, <laughs> oh. oh Lord! Well, thank you so much for coming on today. 
Toby, thanks for your input as always, <laughs> including uh, giving us memories from 1996 <laughs> for a film from 1992. <laughs> and Robin, it was a pleasure. I hope that you can come back soon. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It was a ton and of fun. Uh, feel free to, um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep you in the in the loop on the movies that we have planned, and you are more than welcome to come back whenever. Thank you so much for your time. Aww. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on today. This episode was produced by Bob Serrano and Toby Crines, edited by Bob Serrano. Theme song was written by Ryan Reed. Follow us on all the major podcast things, like our Facebook page, and thank you so much for listening. Whatever. I'm done. The Aging Hipster Rewatch, where movies are so much more than entertainment.